the Master Tavern Keeper's History of the Old World. So, neophytes, before we hear about Marco Colombo's first foray into the jungles of Lustria, I would like everyone to check their drink status. If it's empty, fill her up. If it's not, down it and then fill her up. Off you go. Oh, and uh, Heinrich, please allow me the privilege of pouring you another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Many thanks. Once more, Master Tavern Keeper. So, is everyone ready? Good. Then I think I will begin. If you recall, it was now the morning after the Sailor's Day of Drunken Merriment. It appeared that the offerings that Marco had made, the ancient golden plaques of the old ones, and the three scaven prisoners Marco had purchased in Miragliano, had been well received by the lizardmen, if the uh, hearty meal and drinks that had been left for the crew on the beach were anything to go by, that is. In light of this, Marco decided it was time to go ashore and enter the jungle. He chose himself a small cohort of men to accompany him. This included my grandpapa, but not Giovanni, who was left in charge of the remaining sailors on the three boats. Now, Marco only allowed the men to bring their daggers and cutlasses with them. No pistols, no handguns and the like. This was so that they would at least be able to defend themselves if needs be, but by not taking anything more potent nor threatening than that, he hoped to be able to meet with the lizardmen on friendly terms. He definitely did not wish to appear as if he was leading a mob of raiders or invaders, as this would potentially lose the hard-won goodwill of the lizardmen he felt he had already achieved. It was then time to set off. As the two large rowing boats moved further and further from their ships, a pensive silence descended on the men that was only broken by the oars, cutting and parting the waters. The two ship's captains, Marco and my grandpapa, were at the prow of each boat, and my grandpapa made sure to catch Marco's eye as they ploughed forwards. A deep frown had already creased Marco's brow even before he left his ship, the old Pintolaga, and as the boats moved towards the shoreline, it began to deepen. Thankfully, it quickly disappeared when my grandpapa gave him a playful salute and a wink. 
Marco was a very thoughtful man, and although generally very positive and amiable, he was prone to melancholy if allowed to wallow in his own thoughts too long. Or, even worse, he suffered bouts of depression if he was left on his own. My grandpapa was always on the lookout for Marco's dark shadow, as he called it. As soon as the boats struck the sands of the beach, the men poured out and began constructing a small encampment. Throughout its construction, Marco and my grandpapa trained their eyes over the jungle for any signs of a surprise attack by the lizard men. There still lingered the possibility that the gifts the skinks had left for Marco and his men were purely bait to draw them out. Thus, with this in mind, Marco's hand hovered close to the trigger of his crossbow as he surveyed the undergrowth bordering the beach, and my grandpapa too kept his throwing axes within easy reach until the camp was complete and the other men were unoccupied and alert. Marco and my grandpapa then chose a few men to guard the boats and their makeshift settlement before leading the rest of the seamen inland into the dense, foreboding greenery. The jungle was cooler than the exposed beach, but the air was a lot thicker, humid and damp. There was a permanent mist that clung to the tree trunks, and water dripped continuously from the canopy that sprouted from them so very far above the men's heads. The ground was soft and clammy underfoot. It mainly composed of the least litter and detritus from the hardwood trees that made up the majority of the jungle, but also weaving all of this uh, mulch together were overgrown thickets of lower living plants, ferns and moss, which gave the jungle the feeling of being an impenetrable, solid mass of green in which death hid behind every leaf. Fortunately, Marco had compiled a great deal of information about the more dangerous flora of Lustria from his many long talks with the salty dogs who had visited the land in the years past. And so he was able to point out the deadlier forms of plant life, such as spike thorns or vampire fungi, to his men, and so avoid any unnecessary casualties. Another less fatal hazard, yet a significant hindrance to the party's progress, were the roots from the great skywood trees that arched hither and thither, and constantly tripped the sailors up. This caused no deaths, but it did result in a great many sprained ankles. Amongst all of the dense vegetation also lived all kinds of fauna, many of which were even more lethal than the carnivorous plants. Luckily, though, the sailors did not encounter any of these on their first foray into the jungle. They did, however, see all sorts of exotic animals, with the most striking being the multicolored snakes and lizards that appeared to be watching the men with knowing eyes. 
The party continued throughout the morning in this fashion. The sailors' cutlasses were put to constant use, hacking away the increasingly dense vines and foliage, and this slowed their progress down to a crawl. It was hard to gauge how far they had penetrated into the jungle, probably not far considering the size of it, but as the sun soared higher and higher into the sky, exhaustion began to set in. By the time the midday sun was at its highest point, each man was dripping with sweat and grumbling began amongst the sailors to the rear. My grandpapa noticed and let Marco know. Marco immediately called a halt to the march and bade everyone get some drink down their necks. Whilst the men were taking a well-earned break, he and my grandpapa walked on a little further. Suddenly... My grandpapa stopped and gestured to Marco to silently do the same. Ahead, partially hidden within a tangle of lichen-covered boulders, stood one of the skinks they had seen at the beach two days previous. It regarded the pair coldly before flitting away back into the jungle. Marco quickly whipped out his Arabian telescope and followed the skink's retreat. Its red crest dived and weaved its way through the dense foliage at an incredible speed before finally disappearing. But at the very place that the skink had vanished, something else came into view. As Marco peered closely through his lens, he could make out the ruins of a small stone square building covered in vines. He cast a knowing glance at my grandpapa. This was no accidental meeting. Had the skink not retreated back towards the building, my grandpapa was sure that they would have missed it completely, which meant one of two things. Either they were being led into a trap, or the lizard men were beckoning them to a rendezvous. Marco bade my grandpapa go and choose a small cadre of the most reliable and trustworthy men to join them before they went up to the small ruin and leave the more disgruntled members of the party to their own devices. My grandpapa did as he was asked, but uh, gave the remaining sailors a task to keep them occupied, fearing what mischief idle hands would get up to. He split the men into two teams and told them he expected two campfires to be burning upon his return and a gold crown would go to the team who had caught and cooked the most delicious animals they could find. With this, he returned to Marco. Marco led his band to the ruined building. Here he found a large set of stairs that led up to the top of the ruin. Cautiously, the party ascended the stairs. As they neared the top, they saw a large group of lizard men assembled, waiting for them. An maniple of skinks trained their blowpipes and javelins at the newcomers. Behind them, forming a perimeter on the platform, was a wall of bigger and more ferocious warriors that they would later learn were Saurus warriors. My grandpapa also noticed numerous skinks of a different sort in the surrounding treetops. The pigment of their skin 
camouflaging them in their hiding places. And in the very center of this war party sat upon a golden palanquin that hovered of its own volition was a creature that vaguely resembled a large bloated toad. One of the esteemed slan mage priests of the lizard men. This rather took Marco by surprise. He had not expected to encounter such an illustrious being as this at his first meeting. The slan in question was called Ziltok, although Marco's Tylian tongue couldn't get his mouth around the name, and he persisted in calling him Slitok, even when my grandpapa corrected him. The slan hailed from the temple city of Tilax, or Tilash, as uh, Marco would constantly mispronounce it as. They would later hear that this particular slan had spent a great deal of time in the city of Huatl on the vampire coast, to the southeast of where their ships were now anchored. Apparently in Huatl, the slan had had dealings with other Auslanders from the old world, for this reason, he had been summoned by the High Slan Mage Priest of Tilax, Lord Zitili. Zlitok had also brought one of his skinks, Huini Pachutli, to liaise with Marco and his men. This skink had managed to master Bretonian in his time in Huatl, and the lizardman's assumption was that he would be able to converse with Marco. It took Marco a few moments to realize that the skink was actually speaking Bretonian and not his own native tongue. But once he did, a lot of the tension that had settled in the air dissipated. Fortunately, Marco spoke Bretonian very well, and although the uh, cadence and intonation of uh, Juani Pachutli's speech was at first difficult to understand, the two soon began chatting away. My grandpapa too spoke Bretonian, however, he was far from fluent, and, uh, well, it was enough to follow the conversation at least. Let us say that. Juan Pachutli began with pleasantries, as you would expect. Honoured gift bearer, we offer our heartfelt thanks for the return of the precious plaques of Tilax, Huatl, Zahutek, and Hexoatl. Such a gift is unheard of from warm bloods. Your offerings to the great Sotek, the deliverer, to wet the altars of the great serpent with bloody tribute. May Sotek keep your tunnels free from rat spawn in return. Marco gave a deep bow and doffed his hat in the direction of both the skink and his slan master. Marco then took the opportunity to formally introduce himself. My name is Marco Colombo and I hail from the city of Remas in far off Tylea. We are honored to be greeted by such a noble and great dignitary as your master. I would like to take this opportunity to assure you that we come in peace and hope 
to establish a friendship between our two great cities. My greatest desire is that today is the start of a profitable trading partnership between our two peoples. Huini Pachutli immediately related all of this to the Slan in his own tongue. The inscrutable expression on the face of the Slan mage pleased remained unchanged at his words, though, and no answer came. Marco turned to my grandpapa, and my grandpapa could do nothing but uh, shrug his shoulders. So, Marco tried to continue the conversation, irrespective of the lack of a response. Uh, might I inquire as to whom I have the pleasure of addressing? The skink did not bother to relate this question to his master, but merely informed them of the son's name and the few particulars that I mentioned earlier. But before being able to go any further than that, he was suddenly interrupted by a single word intoned by the mage priest. The skink stopped mid-sentence at Saslan's utterance, and all thoughts of continuing his previous explanation vanished in an instant. Huini Pachutli thought for a few moments, nodded, and then he turned to Marco. Please, Marco Colombo, can you tell us the truth? Why have you really come to the land of Lustria? Honored and most perceptive Lord Sleetok, you will find no subterfuge, no hidden agendas here. Truly, I am here to discuss trade. Upon hearing the skink's translation, Ziltok croaked once more. The skink looked physical for a moment before translating the slan's declaration. We do not need to trade with you. You have nothing we desire. We hope that our gifts yesterday and the splendor of this meeting are enough payback for your worthy offerings. This was something that Marco had not expected. But before the skink could continue with his parting pleasantries, Marco interjected. Wait, wait. Even if you do not wish to trade with us, I can still make you an offer you cannot refuse. The skink again looked slightly perplexed, but leaned forwards in interest. Marco continued. We know that you have many enemies. The Rataspawn, the Norse, the Nagarothi, the Arabian Corsairs, the Undead, and the Chattel of the Dark Gods from the Northern Wastes. These are our foes, too. The skink nodded in agreement. Vet snarls emanating from his throat as Marco named each of the races known for raiding the temple cities of the Lizardmen. 
I have a three ships, each laden with many mighty thunder cannons, which you no doubt heard firing off two days ago. With these, we can sink the boats of our enemies for you and prevent them ever reaching the shores of Lustria. Or, if they do, we can catch them as they flee from your shores and recover the treasures that they stole. What appeared akin to a grin split the face of the skink, and he explained all this to his master, who calmly listened as he languidly caught and devoured some of the large insects that had been buzzing around the palanquin. He eventually croaked his reply. Next It was the same word as before, although the intonation was slightly different. The interpreter, Huini Pachutli, then again turned to Marco. Marco Colombo, please tell us why you would do this for us. There was no place for subtlety anymore, and Marco laid his cards upon the table for all to see. We will do this for two reasons. They are also our enemies and for gold or gems. The skink appeared to shake his head disapprovingly before raising his hand and replying. We will consider. At this, the skink stopped the negotiations. The other skinks of the war party then accompanied their slan and his translator back into the depths of the jungle. The Saurus remained behind to bar Marco and his men from going any further inland, and they were left with no other recourse but to return to their camp on the beach. Oh, I see. Most intriguing. Yeah, yeah, the lizard men are nothing if not... uh, Enigmatic. Oh, and uh, by the way, how did the two teams of sailors do in the uh, challenge? Your grandfather had set them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I had almost forgotten. They did pitifully. Not only had neither group managed to catch anything to cook and eat, they had also failed to find any firewood in amongst the moist flora. They had spent all of their time hacking away at the grasping creeper vines that descended from above, fending off the ubiquitous fist-sized insects that clung to every tree trunk and quivering in fear at the terrifying growls of the prides of reptiles that stalked the jungle. When Marco, my grandpapa, and the others returned, they found all of the men in a circle, shouting angrily up at a legion of monkeykin in the canopy above, who were defecating into their own hands and then pelting the sailors below with their feces. Overall, it was a bit of a disappointing day for everyone. 